There's a genre of horror movies that are about invasions of something alien and scary, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Star Wars Attack of the Clones, and most recently those scary, blind, but super-hearing monsters in A Quiet Place. Now, fortunately, none of us have ever experienced anything like that in the real world, but unfortunately for some farmers, scary invasions are all too real. That's why I'm going to call this episode of Pop Agriculture, Invasion of the Crop Snatchers. Back when I was a kid in the 1960s and 70s, There was a frequent advertisement on the radio and TV in which Anita Bryant, a former Miss America, would say, a day without orange juice is like a day without sunshine. The Florida orange juice industry was using that to promote its juice as the breakfast standard, and yes, lots of people ate breakfast at home back then. Well, Anita's message about a day without sunshine is beginning to run true, as the Florida juice industry is rapidly fading away due to a disease which ruins the fruit and eventually kills the tree. In the media, you will usually hear them refer to this disease as citrus greening, due to the effect it has on the oranges, preventing them from turning orange and turning them bitter. Some may call it by its Chinese name, Hualongbang. For our purposes today, I'll I'll refer to it as HLB. The disease is caused by a bacterium that grows inside of the xylem, or sort of the plumbing system of the tree. And it's spread from tree to tree by a little insect called the Asian citrus psyllid. It's a bug that sucks juices out of the leaves and shoots of the tree, and in the process, it moves the bacterium around. So the psyllid, often just called ACP, and the bacterium, HLB, are relatively new invasive pests introduced from Asia. The psyllid was first found in Florida back in 1998, but the disease-causing bacterium was first found in 2005. And this sort of scenario is one of the risks that goes along with our globalized system of trade and the rise of international tourism. It's strongly suspected that the bacterium was actually brought back by a suburban gardener who had visited Asia and who brought home some citrus budwood to graft onto his tree and accidentally brought the bacteria with it. Writer Amy Harmon of New York Times wrote an excellent and exhaustive article about how the Florida growers tried to head off this problem, but ultimately these new pests got out of control. Essentially, all the trees are now infected, and the production of orange juice is down to about 30% of what it used to be and falling further. Florida orange juice could soon be a thing of the past. Some university researchers, supported by the growers, may have developed a genetic engineering, or GMO, solution. But that would take years to implement, and the brand-sensitive juice companies don't seem willing to even let the farmers try to use that option. Well, these pests, ACP and HLB, have been spread to other citrus-growing states, including Texas and California. Having seen what happened in Florida, the Californians pursued an aggressive effort to save their citrus industries, which includes lemons, limes, oranges, and mandarins or tangerines. There's a lot at stake, since these crops add up to a $3.3 billion industry. 
One thing that makes this even more challenging is that there are about 15 million backyard citrus trees in the Golden State. If you look at my backyard, you'll find five citrus trees. Now, the commercial growers who fully understand the risk have been good about suppressing the psyllids in their orchards. They spray for them directly and also on the trunks of the trees because the Argentine ant, another invasive species, likes to spread the psyllids from tree to tree and they protect them from their natural enemies so that they can milk them for sap. Now, because the psyllids can fly, they are now present in much of the state. But so far, the bacteria hasn't been spread into any of the commercial groves. The growers, with help from a university lab, have been extremely careful not to move the bacteria with any planting or grafting stock. When HLB moves, it tends to be among those backyard trees so far in areas like Los Angeles and Riverside. The California Department of Agriculture had a program depending on where the psyllid was detected, and it would spray the homeowner's trees as long as the owners agreed. An environmental group sued and got a judge to block that practice, and this is resulting in an increase in the residential spread of HLB. Now, there is a program funded, again, by the farmers through their Citrus Mutual organization, and that'll pay to remove trees from people's yards. HLB hasn't spread down to San Diego County, where I live, but if it does, I'd be willing to take out my trees rather than to put the industry at risk. When these pests invaded Florida, serious losses started within three years. In California, psyllids invaded more than 10 years ago, and the HLB bacterium six years ago and so far without a big hit to the commercial industry. How long that line can be held remains to be seen. One other thing being done is that researchers have gone through the world looking for potential parasites and predators of the Asian citrus psyllid. After making sure that they wouldn't cause any additional problems to crops or the environment in general, researchers have begun to rear and release these good guy bugs to complement the spraying effort and add the sort of resilience that's a characteristic of any good integrated pest management program. Now, citrus isn't the only crop threatened by pest invaders. There's a similar problem in the U.S. potato industry now, where a closely related bacterium causes really ugly dark lines in the potato and makes them completely unmarketable. That disease is called zebra stripe. And once again, it's spread by a similar insect called the potato psyllid. Growers have to be focused on detecting the first signs of this pest in their area each season and prevent its spread and the vectoring of the bacterium. Now, there's also a disease that threatens the California wine grape industry. There's a single-cell bacterium-like pathogen called xylella, which can cause a lethal disease of grapes called Pierce's disease. Now, that disease was actually native to North America, and it exists and survives mostly in riparian plant species. Those are the plants that tend to grow alongside streams. And there were native leafhoppers that were the insect that used to spread that disease, and they didn't really move very much into vineyards, so the industry could mostly avoid the problem. Then, in 1994, it was confirmed that a new invasive insect called the glassy wing sharpshooter somehow found its way into the state. And that insect really liked both citrus and grapes. And suddenly, in the southern part of the state, vines started to die. Only through a concerted spraying program for the part of the year when the sharpshooters are in the citrus has it been possible to slow the damage. 
Now, again, with the help of the California Department of Agriculture and cooperation of the grape growers and grape nursery growers, most of the premium wine-growing regions of the state have been protected by keeping out that sharpshooter. There's a researcher at the University of California at Berkeley who has investigated both the potential for a biotech solution to this and for a biological control using another kind of bacterium that can also grow inside of the grapevine and protect it from the effects of the xylella. And there's a different strain of xylella that has become a crop snatcher invasive pest in Italy, where it's killing off the venerable old olive groves there. This is really sad because in many cases, these are trees that are more than 100 years old. Hopefully something like the biocontrol could work there because Italy rather rashly decided several years ago that it would never use a GMO. Italy would be wise to consider any and all approaches to save an industry that is so iconic in their culture. Now, I've talked a lot about invader pests that spread diseases that kill the crop. Some invaders just make the crop gross. Around 2008, a new kind of fruit fly came into the Americas, called the spotted wing drosophila. I think almost anyone who has some bananas or tomatoes sitting on the kitchen counter has has seen fruit flies. They're attracted to any ripe or rotting fruit. And the females can lay their eggs in that kind of fruit, mostly only in really damaged fruit. But this new invasive fruit fly, again, originally from Asia, is different. The female fruit fly has an ovipositor, which is the part of her body through which she lays the eggs. And the new spotted wing drosophila has an ovipositor that looks like a saw, complete with serrations. And so these little ladies can lay their eggs in perfectly sound but ripe fruit. As you can imagine, that's a big problem because just before a crop of something like blueberries or raspberries or cherries is going to be harvested, the eggs that the fruit flies would lay would hatch out as creepy maggots just about the time the produce got to the consumer. Gross. This new pest has been a major challenge for many segments of the fruit industry, particularly for berries and cherries. Fortunately, there are some pesticides that are toxic to pests but safe to humans, and they can be used even very close to harvest time. So hopefully, you won't ever have to experience one of these disgusting maggot moments. Now, there's another invasive crop pest that's also a problem for non-farming households. There's a good article from the Twin Cities Pioneer Press titled, This Next Invasion is Going to Stink. The invader here is called the Brown Marmorated Stink Bug, and it was first found in Pennsylvania in 1996. It's another case of something that probably came maybe in shipping containers from Asia. Now, the bug causes feeding damage on many crops like fruits and vegetables, but it also has this nasty habit of migrating into homes for protection during the winter. People have experienced invasion by literally thousands of the bugs in their house. Not only is it creepy to have these fairly big insects crawling around in your home, but if you try to kill them, they emit a nasty odor, which is why they're called stink bugs in the first place. People have variously described the smell as stale cilantro, rotten eggs, a teenager's gym socks, flesh, or even death. Nice, right? Well, the bugs have moved steadily across the U.S. They've been big in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and other eastern states, where they've caused millions of dollars of crop damage and disgusted a lot of homeowners. 
Now they're in Michigan and Minnesota and most recently Washington state. It was once thought that cold winters would limit them, but they've successfully invaded parts of Canada, so that isn't looking too promising. Now, there is some hope that after a while the populations of this pest will be suppressed by a combination of native and introduced parasites and predators. Indeed, some of the earliest areas affected are seeing a little bit less of a problem today. So what if you do if these invaders come to snatch the crops and invade the homes in your area? There's a very funny and helpful video by an expert from Maryland titled, Think Before You Stink. It gives practical suggestions for how to make it harder for the bugs to get into your house and ways to capture and dispose of those that do. This isn't really a case where spraying is going to do much for you and squashing them is a bad idea because it releases that serious stink. So if there's any sort of silver lining to this stinky problem, it's a kind of unique situation where farmers and non-farmers have a shared task of controlling these pests. We're in this together. The population of stink bugs actually only increases during the summer when they're out feeding on crops and other plants. So if farmers do a good job of protecting their crops, they'll reduce the population that's going to be going and looking for houses to spend the winter. If the homeowners do a good job of denying the stink bugs that refuge, and if they capture and kill some of the bugs, that means there will be fewer ones to go out and damage the crops the next season. And also both sides get some help from various predators and parasites. It can be a real team effort. So, with these and other invasive crop snatchers, we will have to use all the creativity we can muster to find good solutions. You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc, at G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C, and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.